everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Hot Hits Wrestling Podcast. I'm Hit Zero. I'm BCC. Uh, not not BBC, BCC yeah. is uh, Hadi, um, the honorary <laughs> member of the Blackpool Black Combat Club. Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or for you is the Bendemir uh, ah, yes, Combat correct. Club. correct. Bendemir Combat Club. Very good. <laughs> or Community Centre. <laughs> That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both are members of the Bendemir Community Center, you know, where <laughs> where, where we do violence, I guess. Against uh, other community centers. Against other community centers. They aren't as good as us. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I, I'm also BCC, but I'm the Bedok Community Center. But exactly. we are sort of, we're sort of an alliance. We, yeah. are, we, are, we are pro wrestling. We are not sports entertainment. Exactly. So we compete against the other sports entertainment community centers. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Um, we are here this week to talk about AEW Double or Nothing, which just passed by yesterday, Singapore time. Um, a very long pay-per-view, so majority of the episode will be caught up talking about the backstage and in-ring stuff um, to do with Double or Nothing. Plus, after that, I'll sh- quickly review New Japan Pro Wrestling's Capital Collision in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and Triple A, Triple Mania 30 in Monterey. Um, but yeah, let's begin with All Elite Wrestling's jam-packed Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Um, from marquee matches like CM Punk versus Adam Page to um, a chaotic um, Anarchy in Arena match to Wardlow versus MGF to the Owen Hart tournament finals to surprise highlights like Rancid's performance alongside the debuts of Roosh, Stokely Hathaway and Athena. We have lots to talk about. But we'll begin, of course, with the pre-show, the buy-in, as the AW mm-hmm. calls it, where the long-awaited team-up between Danhausen and Hook, the odd couple, the Hookhausen, um, now now dubbed Hookhausen, takes on Tony Nice and his lawyer, Smart Mark Sterling. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about this buy-in match, and what do you think about the unusual pairing of Danhausen and Hook? Does it work for you? Uh, odd couple kind of works lah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that, uh, the comedy, I think everybody was over for Danhausen, man. Like, the crowd was really hot for him. Danhausen has always been over. Yeah, and I love it. Uh, I mean, when you watch his YouTube stuff, it's hilarious most of the time. Mm. Um, and and it, I think it's second only to BTE lah, uh, yep. in terms of popularity. Uh, yep. And yeah, Danhausen really deserves uh, his uh, uh, light under the sun, I guess. Mm, yeah, I mean, yep. he's not, uh, he's nowhere uh, prof- like really good wrestler or whatever like that. Mm. But in terms of, you know, his character work is excellent. Um, his comedy work is excellent. I really, I, he has a place in AEW. Yes, yes. His place is not winning matches considering, you know, um, when Denhausen got an entrance in Dynamite when he took on Tony Nese, who, who didn't get an entrance. He got a jobber entrance. He was <laughs> in the ring already. Yep. Um, so obviously, you know, we are, we've been conditioned over... 10, 20 years of such things to expect the person who gets the entrance to win. Um, only to be flipped on its head when uh, Tonini's squashed Denhausen in five seconds. Yeah. Um, so it was a nice like reversal of wrestling tropes there. Like. Um, so Denhausen does have a, place, have a place as a character wrestler, as a comedy wrestler, as a comedic foil 
um, and temporary storyline diversion for Hook, Hook yeah. who has been built up as this, you know, um, cold-hearted, handsome devil destroyer, the guy who just squashes people, you yep. know. Yep. Um, so, so for him to carry Danhausen to a tag team run seems like a very interesting dynamic and something that has sports entertainment mm-hmm. uh, has been doing for a long time, like this odd couple dynamic. That and is- I see this acting going far and I think the feud with Mark Sterling and Tuninis has been really a really good showcase for for D plus players in a D storyline. You know? mm. No Hook um, is not really a D plus guy. La. I mean Hook I think for now is he won't be in the future la, but yeah. like considering he's like seven, eight months into his career. Okay. For now he is la. he is a D plus guy because but not he's in, in a, a bad way. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah but D plus in AW is not a bad thing. Yeah it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just like you know you, this is a, a lower card storyline. Yeah la. exactly and, that's all. Um, it's not it's not meant as an insult. It's yeah. just a low cut storyline, which is it's still interesting photo- and still funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, um, Tunini's obviously we've seen a lot of him in Two Five Live. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of good, um, in ring. He's a great in ring worker. I, yep. I would say yep. better than good. Uh, but where he lacks in is probably um charisma, storytelling, psychology, things like that. Yeah, right. And that's why Mark Sterling is there. That's why Mark Sterling is there. That's why he's put in a very story centric. A feud where other people can carry the story. Yes. Uh, Hook Danhausen, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think this worked out very yeah, well. It's a good balance, good. right? Overall, yeah, it was. It's a very good balance. Yeah. Um, I love Mark Sterling. Um, pretending that he is not athletic, you know, like he, <laughs> the way that he lumbers around yeah, the ring yeah, and he yeah. trips over everything. Yeah. If you don't, if you haven't seen Mark Sterling in the Indies, Mark Sterling is a great wrestler. Yeah, he's yeah. Be- he's better than Danhausen. Oh, um, but but Mark Sterling, um, it takes a lot of talent to. Pretend that, you're that you good. can't, that you're not good, and but you know, but to be fair, Mark Sterling is really good, like, and I enjoy him pretending not to be good. Yeah, you know, it's like watching uh when you see movies or TV shows about making movies and TV shows, and then great actors have to play bad actors. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like that. Like, I, I really enjoy seeing stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the buy-in was just a very quick, um, ten-minute match, and then prior to that, we have a lot of recap packages and all that. Very quick, very um, it flew by very fast. What doesn't fly by very fast is the AW double or nothing, which um clocked in at nearly five hours long. Hmm. Did you have a problem with that? As many people on the internet seem to have. I was okay. I mean, okay. Um, it it felt a bit lumbering at times, definitely. Mm. But I think it was there was enough good matches to keep me entertained throughout. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think the um. If we ask Tony Khan about this, and many people have asked Tony Khan about why AEW has such long pay-per-views, mm-hmm. four to five hour pay-per-views, he, his response is that AEW, unlike WWE, which has one pay-per-view a month, right? AEW only has one pay-per-view every three months. They have four pay-per-views a year. Um, so when a pay-per-view does happen, they, they have to jump pack everything in now because it only happens four times a yeah. year, right? Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, also, I think... Uh, AW still hasn't gotten the hang of pacing a pay-per-view. Like, not everything hits the way it should. Agreed. Um, I think that if you re- look at this like with a critical eye, I, um, despite me rating this uh, pay-per-view at A+, I think I, I think this was an A+, pay-per-view, and I enjoyed it. Oh, I um, agree, yeah. A lot. But, I mean, looking at it with a critical eye, I think maybe two or three matches could have been pushed to Dynamite, Dynamite on Wednesday or, mm. or, or, or Rampage on Friday. Um, what were some of the matches that you think could have been left out of this pay-per-view um, to, to accommodate better pacing? I mean, you know, apart from the Jade Cargill stuff. I think Jade Cargill versus Energy should have been a Rampage match. It was a TBS belt. <laughs> it should, yeah, it should it have been defended on TBS. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Apart from that, right? I know this sounds weird, but I think Darby Allen, Kyle Riley. Darby Allen Kyle Riley had a phenomenal match. It is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but rather than Barry, I I, I don't mean Barry in a negative way. Like, I just mean that There's you know so how much sometimes like, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Kyle, Kyle Riley versus Darby Allen here felt like one of those like great Netflix shows, like buried yes. under the amount of releases every Friday. Yes. You know. So rather than it getting overlooked in a jam-packed pay-per-view, why not put it on the main event of this, this Wednesday's Dynamite where, you know, you can get 20 minutes and then people will be fully focused on it. Exactly. Like, where it be. That was what I thought. I was like, this match is kind of wasted. Like, these guys are killing themselves and it's for mm. nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. For a match that is um, probably like the seventh or eighth or ninth highlight of the pay-per-view, right? Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I also felt that uh, certain other matches, uh, particularly... Frankie Kazarian, Semi Guevara, and the six person tag team, right? Versus uh, American top team, the mix uh, six person tag team. Yeah, yeah she could have been pushed to maybe the opener of Dynamite. Uh, you know, agreed. It'll be a, it'll be a fun opener for Dynamite, yeah. but this one it, it sort of felt like um, the show like kind of dipped like this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps this was the the P break match that they were planning, but you know, um, I I rather pay per views be more similar to NXT's takeovers, Same. where every everything's like banger, banger, banger. Yeah, more succinct, uh, so, you know. Yep, yep, exactly. So yeah, I think those are the perfect three matches that you could have pushed off. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, um, those were some of the complaints. But overall, I think I really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. You rated it an A plus as well, right? Yes, sir. All right. Um, let's begin with the first match. But before we touch upon the first match, we mm. have to talk about what happened before the first match. Oh, Obviously, the, dra- yeah. the drama around Double or Nothing going into the pay-per-view wasn't storyline. Um, MGF no-showed a planned meet and greet earlier uh, the day before uh, Double or Nothing at the AW FanFest. Mm-hmm. And um, not only did he no-show a planned meet and greet where several hundred fans paid uh, $150 to meet him, um, he booked a flight out from Las Vegas to New York, New Jersey. Um, yeah, this this was not a great sign for the relationship between MGF and AEW, a relationship that has been strained according to recent rumors and reports. And now his at at this point, you know, his status for Double or Nothing was unknown. We were yeah. unsure whether he was even going to make the show, whether he was going to fly out of Las Vegas and go back home. You know, exactly. Um, MGF has uh, long expressed his displeasure with his AEW contract. Mm-hmm. He feels that he's underpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, he feels that. He came in as an AEW original from day one. Um, so he has he's on the contract that guys like Kip Sabian and Darby Allen and Jungle Boy. He's on a similar tier contract. Sure, right? yeah. And and he he feels um, he has been outshined in a sense because um, guys who came in later, guys like Swerve Strickland, like Adam Cole, CM like Punk. CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan are getting paid three, four times as much as he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, be, um, despite the fact that he's been at AEW since day one, mm-hmm. he is a pillar. He's arguably the most important figure in the AEW, regardless of any status, you know, whether you're sure. day one or whether you're new. Yeah. You know, so he feels like he should be paid at least the equivalent of a Brian Danielson or a CM Punk. And, and, and I would I agree. I would agree that yeah. 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 Um and the issue is that you know he wants to get paid more and, and this is where the rift between mm. Tony Khan and MJF has happened and it blew to a hit the day before the pay-per-view where he threatened to essentially walk out on AEW. What do you, what do you think about this whole situation when you first heard about this? Uh, when you told me about it, I was a bit shocked because uh, I didn't realise how bad it, be, it became. Mm. Like, I mean, for a wrestler to walk out of a planned event, that's that's a big deal. That, that I mean, that is a statement, correct? Yep, it's yeah. a statement. Uh, yep. Yeah, so when you told me that uh, actually Tony Khan offered him more money just to yeah. extend but but extend his contract mm. i thought that was a i thought that was that was that's it like that's a successful negotiation you get get what you wanted which was to mm. be paid more 
and def- and also get you know a guaranteed time in the company you know and yeah. i feel like where they place mgf is really one of the pillars of uh AEW he's the main inventor straight up straight right? up yeah you know yeah uh, not rising star he is the star um, yeah. and therefore you know the company upping his salary and giving him an extension i thought that was something that was going to be met with like you know agreement lah, from mgf uh, so it was a surprise to me that he didn't agree to it lah. At first, yes, yeah, he didn't agree to it, and he still hasn't agreed to it. He's still on his um original contract. You mm-hmm. know? Um, I hear the sticking point is that MJF wants to go to um WWE once his mm. uh contract is up in twenty twenty four, uh but, January first, twenty twenty four. But but there's the thing, right? He wants to increase his money, but he doesn't want to extend the contract, correct? Um, apparently. Okay. Yeah. That's something that uh, I can't get behind, like like you said. That feels a bit. That's not how you do business, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think MJF also understands it. Like he he wants more money from AW for the next two years, right? Because mm. he has to be work. He has to work there for the next two years. But at the same time, he doesn't want to extend past two years because he he's to planning go to, to go to. He wants to go to the Cody uh, Rhodes route, lah. I mean, MJF is famously very sports entertainment. He grew up adoring WWE, and that's his final destination. Okay. And I I I don't. Like begrudge anyone for choosing a their own career path. It's your own personal choice, yeah, your course. career. You, you do whatever you want with that, lah. You know. Yeah. Um. So I think he feels like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place where he doesn't want to extend his contract to get more money, but at the same time he wants more money and he feels angry and frustrated and doesn't yeah. know what to do about it, which led to him walking out on double nothing, supposedly, lah. Mm. Um. Apparently, you know, in the hours before double nothing, some sort of temporary agreement was reached. Um. Post uh his match here at Double or Nothing, MJF said he was going dark on social media yeah, and he wouldn't being. be un- for the time being, and he has a lot to think about lah. Um, yeah. I hope that at least for the next two years, him and Tony Khan can come to some sort of agreement, yeah. um, a, a compromise, shall we say, um, uh, perhaps you know a slight extension, and then if he wants to go to WWE afterwards, go for it lah. Um, I side with both parties here. I, think, I mean, I, I um, both have their reasons lah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a more complicated issue than yeah. say uh, Mustafa Ali or whatever, right? Mm. I I I want um, MJF to be paid what he deserves because mm. he is clearly he clearly deserves to be paid on a CM Punk level because he is on a CM Punk level. Uh, but I understand Tony Khan's reluctance to do uh to do that without an extension, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah. I I get both sides. This is a very tough thing. Um. From what I hear, the the compromise that was reached prior to Double Nothing was very temporary. I think. The the argument made to MJF was that like, sure. Um, I think fault can be attributed to MJF in terms of attitude. Fault can be attributed to Tony Khan. Also, you know, there's fault everywhere. This is a personal beef between them and a contractual beef. But the person who should not suffer for this is Wardlow, the guy that MJF and Tony Khan have both been building for two years at this moment. This is a two year long storyline that will be culminating at Double or Nothing. So I think. The the thing that brought MJF back is like don't do this to Wallo. Yeah. Wallo deserves Wallo. You he des he deserves to be put over. You know in this match. You know you should you should put him over at least lah. Regardless of whatever you're feeling, you know like don't do this to Wallo. And he is a professional. And in the end, he did show up for this match. He did. Um, yeah. And he, he taken Wallo. And I mean, he really let Wallo sell it. He sold it for Wallo. I think. Right, right, you know, now that we've gotten the backstage stuff out of the way, let's get to the match itself. MJF versus Wallow, the culmination of a two-year-long story. MJF has been involved in some very long-running storylines, and AEW is very good at long-running storylines. Adam Page, for example, MJF and Wallow here, you know. 
finally comes to a hit when um, Wardlow takes on MJF. If Wardlow wins, he gets uh, he gets his release from his contract mm-hmm. uh, and gets to sign with AEW as an independent contractor, not as an employee of MJF. Um, a very um, ironic uh, storyline considering the real-life thing. It parallels real-life um, um, in so many ways. But this was great, you know. Um, what do you think about the build going up into Double or Nothing? I mean, the build... Funny story. Uh, I mean, the story was one of the main storylines. And wow, the build was great, right? I mean, from Wardlow being the servant all the way to the, the little disagreements, all the way to the betrayal, all the way to now. Um, yeah. Brilliantly brilliantly booked it wasn't really slow burn it was just long-term storytelling done well mm. um and so this coming this is it right i mean now he's free he's, he's he is his own man and yeah well deserved. I, I, I was telling you like a, a few months ago you know like, like i i realized over the three years that wallow has been there he hasn't gotten a wallow is all elite graphic um that's not because wallow is not signed to all elite i think it was kayfabe yeah, it's kayfabe, and it, yeah. it, it turned out to be right like once he got gets rid of mdf he gets the wallow is all elite graphic three yeah. years after he signed with the company so. yeah you know and, and and i honestly that was a really nice i mean after he won and you know he was on the ram and he was you know like thanking the fans right mm. i thought it was such a nice moment for him and like such a good culmination to such a brilliantly told story you know? Yes, yes, yeah. Because I think um, was, MJF was involved in a lot of other feuds and all that, but the whole relationship between him and Wardlow was a very mm. central pillar to it also. Yeah, it was the the thing bubbling underneath all his other feuds versus exactly. Chris Jericho versus CM Punk and stuff like that. Yeah, right? yeah um, really, really love that. Um, I love that the show kicked off with MJF, Same. you know, as if to like disprove all the fan theories that MJF wouldn't show up. But yeah. I also love that... Uh, AEW and MJF decided to let his music play on for a bit, Too for long. a bit without without MJF uh, coming out just to just to fucking tease you lah. Like yeah. this thing did not did not start out as a work, but these are pro wrestlers, so they will make it a work. Yeah. Once they know that the audience knows what's happening, let's let's tease them a bit lah. Let's mm. let's make them think that MJF is not showing up and just play his music for a minute. Yeah. You know? I tell you, this is brilliant uh, app living by uh, AEW. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just classic pro wrestling storytelling, you know. Yeah. Like they they take what what's happening in real life and then you twist it a bit into a kayfabe story. Mm-hmm. Um, then MJF comes to the ring. He does uh, he does the little airplane spin. Um, I love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just a, a little wink and a nod to the people <laughs> yeah, who thought he correct. got on a plane. Yeah. Um, and then he 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 was very generous. He put over Wardlow hard. He took ten power bombs from him. This was a squash, straight up. This was a squash. Wardlow squashed MJF and MJF allowed it and I'm glad that he was generous enough to let Wardlow do this and get his moment uh, to shine. I think because MJF has a character does not he's not harmed in any way by this loss I feel. No, he's, no, no. Built up, he's built up enough equity that uh, MJF yeah. is still a big deal regardless of this loss. Yeah. But Wardlow needed to win and not only did he need to he win he needed to, dominate. to win a, a dominant victory here yeah. and I think all, all parties walked away happier for this. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do you agree with the booking here that uh, about the squash? Agree. Yeah. I mean I loved how simple it was like don't overdo it and they did it just perfectly. Uh, the yeah. 10 power bombs thing was great. I thought it wasn't overdone at all. Um, yeah. yeah. Just nice. Everything just worked. Like I was so satisfied with the ending and mm. I'm so glad that I've been watching AEW for the past few years. Oh, definitely, man. You know, um, everything about this from the build to, you know, the cage match with Sean Spears, the Dark mm. Side of the Ring parody, mm. uh, featuring a legendary Jewish jobber, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> um, 
everything like leading up to this moment was so perfectly crafted. Yeah, uh, Wardlow's no music and everything to the point where you know Wardlow finally gets his graphic. Um, and the the idea that Wardlow didn't get his graphic when he signed three years ago shows that this was the ending they'd been planning for three years. Yeah, yeah. and they executed so well. Yeah, they clearly have been planning this for a long time. This wasn't some sort of accidental Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, right? Where they were like, finally, okay, lah, okay, lah, let's give Daniel Bryan his, his, his due, you know? And this was straight up long-term storytelling and I'm so happy that at least one wrestling company in the world does this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, happy for Wallow to get his contract and I'm eager to see where he goes next. What do you think? Um, I think MJF is probably going to take a brief hiatus while he sorts out his contract with Tony Khan. But where do you think Wallow goes from here? Um, WWE. <laughs> it, it would be hilarious if it's Wardlow who goes to WWE and MJF comes back. Uh, sorry. Um, well, where it goes from here is interesting. Yeah, because right now yeah. the MJF feud is done. Who does uh, he fight? Who, who does, does he, he fight? All that. There's so many options for him, but mm. I feel that he will be dropping to the mid card for a while. Yeah, I think I think Wallu will be a logical challenger as a babyface challenger to the TNT Championship. Yeah, right. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. the TNT yeah. Championship is the 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 IC belt of the of the company. Like you, all, all the pillars get there first. In Darby Allen, etc. You know, Miro. You know, so for Wallu to get there, it shows that he's on the cusp of the big time. And right now, he is on the cusp of the big time. So TNT is should be there for him. Like Wallu versus uh, Scorpio Sky would be great. I think. Okay. Or yeah, yeah. Um. Um, next up, we have um, the trilogy match, the rubber match between the Hardy Boys and the Young Bucks. Your third ever match, Elite versus Delete. Um, the Hardys versus the Hardy Boys cosplayers, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, is the next match out. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the ROH history, they have fought twice before in, in Ring of Honor. They're one and one. Um, if you want, you can go back to 2017, check out their ladder match between the Hardys and the Young Bucks. And this was a point in 2017 when Jeff and Matt could still go. They were, they were you know, five years younger than they are now and they were a lot more fit, they were a lot more agile. So I think they delivered better matches during the ROH run in 2017 against the Young Bucks. But, you know, this is a return. Um, it's an easy feud to build because the Young Bucks so clearly model themselves after the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, the criticism that they are Hardy Boys cosplayers um, is fairly accurate. And whenever the Young Bucks are criticized, they lean into it hard. Did you watch Rampage this past, uh, this past Friday? Ah, I sadly didn't have time though. Um, yeah, the Young Bucks came up yeah. as, uh, as, the, as the Hardy Boys. Uh, you know, um, Matt dressing up as uh, Matt Hardy, Nick mm-hmm. Jackson dressing up as Jeff Hardy. Brandon Cutler um, obviously stole the show because he dressed up as Lita uh, with the thong and everything. <laughs> um, and, and, I'm, and just, they came I'm, out, I'm actually looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah uh, and they, they came out with Gangrel too, uh, the new brood. <laughs> Uh, they they straight up you know after weeks and weeks of the Hardys calling them Hardy Boys cosplayers, they really just cosplayed the, yeah. they cosplayed the Hardys and then they did all the Hardys moves and they won the match. Too. So this is what I like about the Young Bucks. Whenever people say like, oh you don't sell enough, then they really go, don't sell. You are too hammy, then they really go hammy. You're too comedic, then they go too comedic. Exactly. You know? They just lean into every criticism and own it, and that's what I love about the Young Bucks. Um, this match obviously is a dream match for people who did not watch. The our our hit mm-hmm. the Hardys versus the Young Bucks are you know best the best tag team of the two thousands versus the best tag team of the twenty tens. Um, I don't think you watched the ROH feud. Um, so I what do I you didn't. think about? Yeah, so what do you think about you know getting your first taste of the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks? Uh, two generations clashing. It's one of those like surreal moments, actually. You know, mm. because surprisingly, I think 
the Hardy Boys still have a bit of juice left in them. A bit lah. They're getting a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I say a bit. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's not as snug and it's not as like super. Graceful. Yeah, you know, it's not as graceful as they used to be. Yep. But still got a bit of that juice. Still know how. And still veterans lah, basically. Who yeah. who can who can still do a relatively good match? Mm, I don't know about relatively good wrestling match, no, 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 but no. as as long as they as long as they can climb on something very high yes. and tip over, yes. then then they're still the Hardy Boys. Ah, they just need to climb something high right. and jump off. Correct. That's what I meant. Like they, yeah. as long as they can do their tropes, they're fine. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. and the young bucks can carry the wrestler. Exactly. So this is like a B B plus match for me, lah. Like a three point five out of five. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. of of course the the point five is elevated because you're just like wow, it's the Hardys and the Young Bucks. Yeah, so. it's just the legacy thing, you know, legacy versus uh the the up and comers, I guess, you know, or the the the, the here and now lah. Or the two generations flashing lah, as, as I exactly yeah, brilliant yeah. again. Yeah, I loved it. I I I noticed in the match that Jeff Hardy had problems with his boot. I think his boot got unlaced, right? So yes. he, had, he, had tro- he had trouble climbing things. He had trouble flipping and everything. Uh, but I think the Young Bucks covered for Jeff and Matt's um, botches well. Uh, the Young Bucks are exceptionally graceful. They still are right now. They are one of the best spot monkeys in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hardys were one of the best spot monkeys in the business. So this was a natural matchup. Um, I enjoyed this very, very much, you know. Um, yeah, I'll rate this probably a 3.5 out of 5 as well. Nice. Um, I mean, objectively, I think it's a tree, but just the fact that you're seeing the Hardys and the Young Bucks in the ring, like, you you got to bump it up a bit. Lah. There's the aura of seeing two legendary tag teams from different eras clashing. Agreed. Um, yeah, this would have been great. You know? uh, next up, we have the AEW TBS title match, a match that I felt should have been pushed to Dynamite or Rampage. Um, we got Jade Cargill taking on Anna J. Um, before we talk about what happened during and after the match, just, what, what, uh, you know, uh, the outside shenanigans, Let's just talk about the match itself. What do you think about um, energy rematching Jake Cargill? Uh, hmm. Okay, lah, whatever. Lah. I'm not really that invested in it. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I'm still a fan. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. There's something off about... I think they're doing it quite okay. Mm. But it hasn't really like grabbed my attention. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, definitely like it hasn't grabbed my attention because there was no feud here. Ah, uh, okay, maybe, that, maybe that's why. There was yeah. no story. Like, um, energy was just inserted into the match. Yeah. Um, she was just like, oh, oh, oh Jade Cargill has beaten everyone, and now she has to recycle old competitors. Yeah. And Energy, Energy provided Jade Cargill her best match on Rampage. So Tony Khan's probably like, okay. okay, I know, I know they can deliver a solid match. Mm. So let's just put her again, lah. I mean, yeah. And then having her with a stable, I think, kind of works though. Yeah, I mean, the best part of Jake Cargill's presentation right now is the baddies with her entrance. And yeah, and, and having that foil in Athena, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess we are moving past oh, the sorry, match. Sorry. Since, the, the match was, I'm sorry, but, but the match was just that, like that. Like, it happened. Though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like I said, we, we don't have much to say about the match yeah. other than Jake Cargill beats energy, extends a winning streak. I mm-hmm. like Jake Cargill. Um, I like what you're doing with her in terms of presentation. I just wish that Jake Cargill had a threat, had an opponent mm-hmm. that you could take seriously because none of her matches, you believe that she would lose the belt. Exactly. Like none of them, you know. Like you need uh, some sort of tension, right? Yeah. I love dominant champions, but your opponents have to be credible too. Exactly. You know? And right uh, now, she just has squashed basically the entire division. And Amber Moon coming out, I think that's a good idea. I mean, sorry, Athena. Like, Athena coming out, Malcolm Vivens, um, 
uh, now known as Stokely Hathaway. Well, he was Stokely Hathaway before he was Malcolm Bivens, mm-hmm. and then you know he was Malcolm Bivens in NXT. Malcolm Bivens coming out, becoming her new manager, um, and then Ember Moon, uh, you know, uh, Athena coming out to challenge her uh, alongside Chris Statlander and everything. You know, I think this was. The end of the match was more intriguing. Yes, agreed. Than the match itself, yeah. Yes, that's that's exactly what I'll say. Yeah, the end of the mm. match. Once you saw Athena coming out, I was like, "Hey, let's go!" It's been a while. We've been waiting for this for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And I've said it. I've said it like for a long time. I think Malcolm Vivens was the best manager in in NXT. Agreed. He just stri- straight yeah. out was, you know, like he was him and Roderick Strong were the people that were carrying Diamond Mine, you know. And now that he's been fired, you know, yeah. Stokely Hathaway is back. He fi- he's finally unleashed. He's not scripted anymore. Um, Stokely Hathaway can be Stokely Hathaway. Um, Athena um is a legitimate challenger to to Jade Cargill. Like if Athena mm-hmm. takes on Jade Cargill, I legit don't know who's gonna win. Yeah, and that's exactly. interesting. Like Jade Cargill's first true threat. Um, Chris Tatlander coming in, joining the feud also is interesting because I think Chris Tatlander is also um, a candidate to beating Jade Cargill considering that she's gotten so over recently, you know. Um, so yeah, they've presented not one but two threats to Jade Cargill. Um, but I think at first they're going to do a, a trios match, uh, the baddies versus Athena, um, Chris Tatlander and Energy yeah. first, like, you know. But I love that they presented both Chris Tatlander and Amber Moon <laughs> as challenges because they are legit and, and I don't know who's going to win either of them. Uh. Fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next match. It is a six-man tag team match. Long time in the build. Death Triangle, Peck, Penta Oscuro, and Rave Phoenix yeah. takes on the House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malakai Black. Um, up till this moment, um, up till right now, this was the match of the night so far, in my opinion. This was a fucking banger. These are six guys who can work their asses off, you know. You you put any of the six in a one on one match together, right? Like any iteration, like Brody King versus Ray Phoenix or Buddy Matthews versus Panda, anything, like you can put anything. They would work well together. Let alone all six of them mm-hmm. in a in a feud that has been building for three three months. I think. Um, did were you as high on this match as I was? Because I thought this was a banger and one of my favorite matches of the night. Uh yeah, I was. I I oh my god, this was crazy, right? Mm. Like this was. So- I mean, how you say it? This is like a very. I I said it before, is that whole mm. combination of lucha and high octane, uh, high flying wrestling? I don't know. Yeah, it's the kind of like American indie style that Malakai Black and uh, Buddy Matthews bring bring to the table, uh, But they 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 all fit very well together. Yeah, like Park also. Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, I love the entrance when they came out. You know, with uh, uh Park with his mask and then the little boy. What's his name? Uh, he was a uh, Penta. Oh, sorry, Ray Phoenix's son, right? son, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that little thing. Uh, mm. And um, the match itself, awesome stuff. Uh, really, 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 really high octane from the get go. Yeah. Um, I again, this is one of the matches you don't care about the rules. Mm. After a while, right? Like everybody's in the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I love that they got Rick Knox to referee the match uh, because Rick Knox is famously like, eh, boys will be boys. Just yeah. let them do it." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so just let them go, and they are really good at uh at this kind of high level, uh fast paced matches lah. And um, int- intricately choreographed in- matches. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm surprised at how well. Uh, I mean, why am I surprised? Buddy Murphy is fucking quite awesome. Yeah. Uh, and- Everyone here is a high level wrestler. Yeah, Brody King. Uh, you know, um, Malakai, Malakai Lucha Bros, yeah, Pack. You know, all yeah. of them did such a great job. Thoroughly entertained. Um, moments where you like, mm, I'm not sure who's gonna win. 
Uh, and finally, when that 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 surprise at the end, lights on, lights off, lights <laughs> on. You know, um, Julia Hart, who yes. two months who two months ago has has been slowly descending into the darkness yeah, after being poisoned, like, you know, being poisoned by the black mist, has yeah. finally turned on the vasty bronze, has turned heel, helps Malakai Black win this by spitting the black mist again Pac- into Black's face. Yeah, yeah, leading done. to the victory for House of Black. Um. I think this was a great move and a long time coming. Perhaps the build was a bit too long. Yeah, a bit long. Um, I must say, the the build was a bit too long. Um, I don't often say this because you know, with with our the other company that we cover, the builds are obviously usually too short or too yeah, abrupt. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I felt like this one kind of dragged a bit. Like Julia should have turned a month ago. Yeah, agree. Uh, but okay, they finally got there. Um, I think this was the right move for Julia Hart, who is a very young, very green wrestler. So I think she needs some sort of um character or gimmick to carry her for now. And pairing her up with uh, House of Black works, I think. You know, mm. this is this is their Alexa Bliss, I guess. Um, what what do you think about Julia Hart joining the House of Black? Uh, honestly, I think it's like like you said. I agree with you. It's it's a brilliant move. I mean, we've been waiting for it for months now. I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, too long. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Mm. And then one more thing would be, honestly, yep. honestly. Uh, I I feel that this this group of people, this table, right, the, the the House of Black, yeah, can really become a a like one of those top forces, uh, one of those top stables in this company, lah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're relatively newish, right? They've not been around yeah. for that long, but I I feel that their their power level feels intimidating to whoever takes them on, lah. Correct. You yeah. know, even like I mean, look at their opponents. Their opponents are the top guys, right? Penta. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, sorry, really? the, the 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 Lucha Bros and and Pack, right? Those are top guys, and even yeah. they look like they were struggling, you know, against the House of Black, and for good reason, lah, because the House of Black really is dominant, and I like that. I can't wait to see them feud with other mm. stables, lah, in that sense. Um, Pack has two clean wins over Kenny Omega. Uh, Penta School and Ray Phoenix not too long ago were like the champions. AEW Tag Team Champions you know? exactly. these are le- legit competitors you exactly. know? the fact that House of Black is so dominant toward them it really puts over how strong the House of Black is yeah. um, and I know that Tony Khan has already made the AEW Trios title um, he has stated publicly that he's waiting for Kenny Omega to come back mm. before he introduces the Trios division because you know the Elite and everything so he wants a bunch of Trios out there lah. Yeah. But I'm of, I'm of the opinion that the Elite should not be the first AEW Trios uh, th- uh, champions. It should be House, House of Black. Black yeah. Should be. Same. And this this match should have been for the AEW Trios title. Agreed. I feel. Agreed. They should, they should have introduced it here. Yeah. Because these are yeah, the two, but, the, the, these two teams are the top team. Top top trios, I would say. Prominent trios. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so... But in any case, I think the House of Black versus uh, the Undisputed Era, the sure. House of Black versus the Elite or whatever. Undisputed Era. I mean, sure, that's what they are, right? I guess so, lah. <laughs> Dennis with an elite, lah. Uh, Kyle Riley, Bobby Fish, and Adam Cole. Uh-huh. Or, or Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, or... So many trios, you know, Death Triangle here. They're, actually, AW has a weird ton of trios. Blackpool Combat Club is technically a trio also with yeah, Vita, yeah. you know. So there's a ton of opponents and a deep division that they have, which is actually quite surprising to me. Um, yeah. They have a ton of trios, yeah. They do. Uh, so good for House of Black, good for Julia Hart. Happy to see her get yeah. a new character turn here. Next up, we move on to the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament Finals yes. where Samoa Joe takes on Adam Cole and Ruby Soho takes on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. We begin with Samoa Joe taking mm. on Adam Cole in 
what has hilariously in a feud that was hilariously built in NXT 1.0 when um, Samojo choked out Adam Cole. Do uh, you remember that when Samojo came in as William Regal yeah, and Foster? Yeah, yeah. Choked out Adam Cole. They were obviously building to a Samojo versus Adam Cole match, mm-hmm. and then Samojo got fired, and mm-hmm. they forgot to resign Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. Two hilarious mishaps there. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and then Tony Khan was just like, you know what? Let, let's continue let's, the storyline. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna pick both up and let's just just do the match here, lah, You know, you thanks for setting it up NXT. Yeah. I'm gonna finish it here. You know, uh, what do you think about Samojo versus uh, Adam Cole for the in in the finals? Do you think they they were the correct competitors to put in the finals? And what do you think of the match? I was fine with uh, the two of them being the finalists. Uh, mm. The match itself wasn't like super amazing or whatever like that. It was yeah, it was solid lah, solid la. Yeah, it was solid. Expected from Adam Cole and Samojo. I give this like a three point five out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel. I mean, I saw some reports where people like kind of disappointed. They felt like they've seen this before, and uh, they didn't like. Uh, you know, there was um, it was a so-so match for them like, and it was very predictable and all that repetitive finishing, as they said. But mm. I was actually fine with it, uh, and I was okay with uh with uh Adam Cole going over like. Yeah, 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 I was okay with Adam Cole going over because I feel like Samojo already has the championship. He has yeah. the ROH TV championship, right? So yeah, Adam Cole needed this more than Samojo, who's already a champion, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I was okay with the match, and I think the argument that they've seen this before is bizarre because Samojo and Adam Cole have never wrestled. Oh, okay. This, this was your, your first ever match together. Huh? How could you have seen this before? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do agree that this match wasn't designed to be a main event level match because it wasn't a main event match. You know, they. They, this match was not designed to outshine others. Like, this was just a solid wrestling match yeah, for yeah. an Open Heart Tournament Finals, you know. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I was... Sorry. I would have been okay if either of them winning, actually. So, I, I was fine with this. Yeah. Um, Adam Cole won. Okay. Um, Adam Cole obviously is a legit name to win the Open Heart Cup. Sure. If Samoa Joe won, I would have been cool Same. with too. So, legit yeah. name also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, though, we have uh, the Women's Tournament Finals match between Ruby So and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. This is the match that I felt Man, it was pretty weak. <sighs> pretty, pretty pretty weak. I would say um, that yeah, I'll agree with you. Uh, this is like maybe a two point five to three, maybe yeah, maybe hit a low three. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I expected a lot Wait. more from this match. Yeah, th- this was the point in the show, like the hour, the hour long portion. Once this match hits, right? Like suddenly it went a bit downhill. You know, yeah. like you started started lagging a bit. Um, I wasn't into this match. I I don't even think that these two. With the correct finalists, I feel. Mm. Yes, that's something that I can agree with. Yeah, so uh, not only did I not enjoy the match, uh, I don't think it was a bad match, but it was a mediocre match. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who would you rather be in the finals for this then? Um, Tony Storm should have won the uh, the the tournament okay. itself. Okay. okay. Um, I, I would have been okay with Tony Storm versus Chris Statlander or mm. Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho or Tony Storm versus Shida. Yeah, okay. um, but Ruby Soho versus Dr. Britt Baker is a match that we've seen, seen before. before. Yeah, exactly. In yeah, in a different tournament, somehow, exactly. you know. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I I felt like Ruby Soho and Britt Baker don't really have chemistry. Uh, they they headlined Grand Slam last year, and I didn't like that match either. Um. I just don't think these two work very well together. Um. Yeah. And I, you're right. You're right. And I'm sorry to say, but I think that there's a bit of Britt Baker fatigue going on here. You might like, be right. Yeah, I think I and a lot of fans are, are really tired of seeing Britt Baker in such a prominent position all the time. You know, like 
like and she hasn't changed character there's no new gimmick for her like yeah. it just it, it just feels very stale uh, mm. you know Breaker needs a new direction um ruby soho we are I know she's very new to the company, but we've already been conditioned that Ruby Soho is always the bridesmaid. She yeah. lost the TBS uh, tournament finals. Yep. You know, she she lost the the championship match against Britt Baker. She lost this tournament finals. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, um, so of course Ruby Soho will not win. Uh, who who would expect exactly. Ruby Soho to win? Uh, you know, um, I think I, I agree with you on all the points. Uh, I feel the last part though with Doctor Mata Hart coming out, I thought that was quite cute. Uh. I, yeah, yeah, I, I like the. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. We'll get to that yeah, in, in just a bit. Lah. Um like with with Ruby and Brit, I think probably the best part of this whole presentation and the match was their entrances. Um yeah, playing out Rancid playing out a Ruby Soho, uh by playing Ruby Soho. Um the full song by the way. <laughs> um and you know, um Brit Baker only got Fozzie's guitarist, so clearly somebody won the entrances there. Uh, uh, Ruby Soho. <laughs> I would take um I would take Rancid over Fozzy any time of the day, you know. Oh um, yes. Yeah, so it, it's rare that Dr. Breakbaker gets outshined in their entrance, but Ruby Soul really outshined that. Agreed. Um and then this culminates of course with um I, I my my personal favorite moment of the night, um Mafahat's speech to to induct the inaugural winners of the Owen Hart Foundation Women's Cinnamon. Um I think it was very emotional, it was very genuine. Um Tony Khan gave Matahat tons of time to talk as much as she wanted. Um, and I think just the few goodness of the moment, the fact that uh, Britt Baker and Adam Cole dropped character to just, you know, smile and beam and be happy that this woman finally got a shine. They they get to pay tribute to the late great Owen Hart, who is just genuinely one of the one of the nicest guys to have ever lived um, in re- in wrestling. You know, yeah. So someone who yeah, gave is... a lot of himself to whatever company he was in. Mm. Yeah. Whatever company he was in, he was a great. Um, technical wrestler. Yep. He was a great high flying wrestler. Hell yeah. And he was a great comedy wrestler too. He was. You know, he's the guy that hits like all the marks. Like anything you want him to do, you want him to be a comedy blue blazer, whatever, right? Yeah. He can do that. You want him to be a high flyer, he can do that. Yeah. You, you want him to wrestle a technical match against Brad Hart, he can do that. He's all around perfect, complete wrestler. Correct. And he you can never see made... his inspiration, you know, inspiring the next generation like Kevin Owens and all that. Like. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. you know, he's he's a guy that never played politics in the way that Shawn Michaels or Triple H did. You know, he was just like a nice family man, the original da- Daniel Bryan, right? You know, just just a nice guy. Um, and I'm glad to see uh AEW take the time to honor him in a way that WWE never did. Um, and of course, Ma- Mata Hart agreed to do this with AEW because you know, um, they would, he, she would never agree to do this with with WWE, lah. You know. Um, for obvious reasons, yeah. So we don't need to get back into that, you know. But so that's the reason I love the speech. I love this moment. Um, regardless of whether you agree with who won the mm-hmm, tournament finals, mm-hmm. you have to agree that the culminating moment wasn't the finals. No. It was the the Doctor Matahart speech, mm-hmm. and I, I it really put a nice bow on, on this whole thing, yeah. This whole Owen Hart Foundation. I tournament. think that it's done a very this this entire um, sorry. The tournament mm. itself, yeah, maybe we have some issues with who who won in the woman's side and all that stuff. However, overall, I think it was tastefully done. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, you know, it was really focused on the Owen Hart Foundation at the end of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that Dr. Mata Hart got a really good amount of time to really talk about mm. about it. Lah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, this is one of those things that you should not cut from the show. Like, Mata Hart should be given as much time as she wants to talk about Owen Hart and to talk about what he means to the pro wrestling industry and what he means to people in general, you know. Um, yeah, uh, one of the best moments of the night. Um, and, and it was interesting. It was Dr. Mata Hart. Uh, next up, though, we have 
we've, we've lavished a lot of praise on AEW over the past few months, um, over the past few years, you know. Uh, but arguably, the worst feud angle story that they have ever come up with. Um, and I would even argue that the worst story in pro wrestling today, WWE included, is this American top team versus Sammy Guevara, Tay Conti, Frankie Kazarian. <sighs> Um, this match, the way it's been built, this whole angle, the story, the, the way that they kept they keep double-turning characters. Uh, like, one week you're a heel, one week you're a face, the next week you're a heel again. Um, hot potatoing the TNT belt to the point where it's meaningless, you know. The, the whole thing around this feud is just so lackluster and uninteresting and borderline sexist sometimes. Um, you know, with, with Dan Lambert constantly call, calling everyone whores. Um, I hated everything about this match. I hated everything about this feud and the build. I think this is one of those matches that not only should not be on this card, but should not be on any card. Sure. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> you're right. I cannot... Yeah. I'm, I'm... And this has been going on for like, what? Three, four months already. I'm so tired of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, everyone is tired of it. Like, why are we still... I mean, is it just because they want to maintain a relationship with top team? I guess... You know, um, the only part I sort of enjoyed happened in, in one week la, when they double-turned Sammy and, and Scorpio because they, they listened to the audience, right? They were like, oh, they don't like Sammy and T, so let's turn them heel, and they like Scorpio, so let's turn him face. And then they did that, and then the next week, they double-turned them again. Uh. Uh, so what was the point of that? Um, I, I didn't care about the whole angle where they were, you know, stealing the BMF belt and the UFC title from American Top Team and everything. Mm. I thought it was kind of kind of really cheesy and corny, you know? So I, I wasn't into that. What, what, what do you think about um, Sammy and T breaking into American Top Team to steal the belt? Lame lah. <laughs> yeah, do, do you care about that at all? No! Look, yeah. there's so many other great moments, uh, great, like, storylines that have been built over. There's a problem. We are, we, AEW has so many great storylines. When there's a shitty storyline, it's very obvious. Yep. You know, and this was that shitty storyline. Very shitty, yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. I could do without it basically. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So if any match should have been cut, this one should have been this match. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um I I guess since she's making her pro wrestling debut, um what do you think about Paige Van Sen before we move on? Uh she's alright. Yeah, she's alright. Yeah, I wouldn't say she's awesome uh, but I think got a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, she's nothing special. Uh. Yeah. Uh, she, she is not um, Matt Riddle, uh, shall we say. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, super green. Uh. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. Has, I think like her bumping and all is okay, but her selling is, has at least a lot to be desired. Take time, take time. Some, some people need more time, and I think she just needs more time and more work, and maybe one day she'll get there. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Moving on, uh, woo, uh, a low-key surprise highlight for the pay-per-view, a match that had no build at all. Mm. Kyle Riley versus Darby Allen just random, randomly just popped there. in here. Yeah. I guess I guess there is a story like because Kyle Riley um yeah. quote unquote kayfabe injured Sting, Sting so that's yeah. a story. Yeah. But it wasn't a pay per view level story, so yeah. I wondered why it was plopped in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any case, you know I'm not going to complain like, To be honest, I'm no, not going to no. complain to see Kyle Riley versus Darby Allen because this match ended up being a fucking banger. This was a great was. match. Yeah, hundred percent. This was a great match. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> I did like you know like Dabi and Kyle have very different styles. Yes. But but the thing that they have in common is that both their styles feel real. Like they feel like they're trying to legitimately hurt their opponent. And and that's where this match shined for me, because like, I felt like Kyle and Dabi were like really hurting each other. I mean of course they weren't, but it just looked like they were hurting each other. Yeah. Um, exactly. and it it was it was such a focused physical match um um between, you know, the grappling 
and striking of Kyle O'Reilly and the daredevil theatrics of Darby Allen that I was just like, this was the match that brought me back into the pay-per-view. What, what do you think? Hmm. Yes, definitely brought me back into the pay-per-view after the clusterfuck that was, you know, whatever that was before that. Yeah. Um, but like I said in the beginning of the podcast, that, yeah, this could be a brilliant, brilliant uh, main event for uh, uh, Dynamite, you know. Yeah. Uh, but sure, whatever it is, we got it. I'm not complaining. Same as you, agree with you everywhere. Um, I feel that um, this kind of worked out in the, the in the way that I thought it would. Uh. Darby Allen mm. would always be out wrestled by Kyle O'Reilly. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So he's uh, O'Reilly is the stronger guy, uh, right? The. I was actually I was actually very surprised that Kyle O'Reilly won because I thought that Darby was higher in the pecking order he than is, Kyle O'Reilly. He is. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think he still is. I just that Darby is not as big, lah. <laughs> No, no, I actually feel like the reason they booked it this way was because Darby Darby doesn't need the win, I guess. Darby doesn't lose anything by losing this match, but Kao needed it because Kao hasn't been winning. Exactly, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved it. I, one of my favorite spots of the night was uh, the Dabi to Peso Sida into the guillotine choke. Ooh, yes! So smooth. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so, you know, like his 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 insane topes, you know, his like missile uh, suicide dives and then like Kao just catches him with the guillotine yes, yes, with, yes. Okay, okay, with, okay. with the body hooks. Oh, so perfectly done, you know. Yeah. Um, And then like, Darby also showing that he can wrestle like uh, when um, O'Reilly did the ankle lock that he reverses it into a sharpshooter. Yeah. Darby did. Yeah, uh, both men were just... These are, these are, these are top-tier pro wrestlers, man. Like, this bout may have been an afterthought for the pay-per-view, but Allen and O'Reilly did not think that they were an afterthought. And yeah. they made sure to prove to people that they are not afterthoughts. Yeah, don't put that in the middle of the cards anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, seek this out if you have not seen it or if you skip this match because the, the pay-per-view is too long. Do not skip this match. This was a great match. Exactly, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah um, I really agree. I even love the spot where he uses uh, Darby's necklace to you know choke him um, you know, with, on the mouth and everything and yeah. then the necklace broke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Such a physical fight. Visceral, I loved it. Very visceral. Yeah. Very visceral. Uh, next up, we have, again, another great match for mm. the AW Women's World title. Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep has not had the best build. In fact, I would go so far as to say that this build is just outright terrible. It is. But the thing that you can count on with Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep is They're like, once the bell... Fire match. Once the bell rings, man, fuck the, fuck the build. Uh. They're going to give you like a wrestling clinic. Yeah. And Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deep, I think, in my opinion, this is the best AEW Women's World title match that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's not gimmick, not gimmicked. Like, you know, like, Thunder Rosa has had matches with Britt Baker, exactly. like cage match, lights out match, but those were like gimmick matches, right? Yep, yep. In terms of pure wrestling, there's never been a better women's match in AEW, and I will stand by that. Thunder Rosa versus Serena D was that good. Um, 100% agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, not only that, I mean, you know me, I, I'm a huge fan of Serena D. Mm. Uh, she signed to AEW, right? Yeah, yeah, she's in the AEW. Yeah. Um, there's something about the chemistry between these two women that I cannot put a finger on. It just works so well. Um, if you remember, they actually have wrestled a lot before. They used yeah, they, they were they were they were feuding for the NWA Women's Championship. Yes, correct, they correct, did, correct. correct. Yeah. So yeah. I I guess it's the the familiarity between the two of them. That yeah, in in a new context in a new company. Yeah. yeah. So the the beat for beat was so well done. I I really was at the edge of my seat throughout this match. Um, yep. Again, I love it when like uh, a championship match feels 
big. And I think that's that's what this match was. Thunder Rosa and Serena did, made it feel like a championship match. Because mm, yeah. they are championship level talents like, exactly. in the ring. You know? In the ring, yeah. Definitely. Um, they have some ways to go in terms of mic work, which is why the build was so mediocre. But once the bell rings, boy, these two are some of the best, regardless of gender that you will see in AW. Um, it was this was a technical clinic. It's amazing. I, I frequently said that uh, Tanurosa is my one of my favorite female wrestlers, and I said that Serena Deep reminds me of Bret Hart, and she does like her move set and everything. Just the way that she approaches wrestling is very Bret Hart ish. This was a very good match, a classic. Um, this almost reminded me of like, you know, last time in the middle of a pack WWE pay-per-view, so always the, uh, the Intercontinental title match would, would you know, um, steal the show. So this was like a, a workhorse showcase. Like. Yeah. The, the action was smart, it was intense, it was exciting. Both excelled to their strengths. Um, Deep is so highly proficient as a technical wrestler. Um, Thunder um, wrestles with so much passion. Um, and it reminded me why Thunder Rosa is so popular. Yeah, this is a really, really interesting rematch and one of the best matches of the night. You know, how would you rate this? Uh, oh, a four out of five? Yeah, easily a four. Yeah, easily at a least four. a four. I like want to give you a four point five, but I think the build before, like you're right, like If it was a better build, it would be a four point five. Yeah, yeah. The, the story was just lacking, last so yeah. That was the weakness of the of the match. Yeah, right? and that's the only weakness I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, boy, let's move on to. Oh no, the chaos. One of the most chaotic things I've ever seen in pro wrestling, <laughs> and that's that's Think saying something. Yeah. The anarchy in the arena, 10-man match between the Jericho Appreciation Society. I hate that name so uh, much. <laughs> but in a good way, you know what I mean? But the, the, the entrance by uh, Matt Bernard, you know, for 11 weeks, the Jericho, Jericho Appreciation Society, the trusted leader in sports entertainment. Yeah. Uh, perfect entrance, you know. Perfect. Um, Jericho Appreciation Society takes on the team of the Blackpool Combat Club made, of, made up of Brian Danielson and John Moxie, teaming up with Eddie Kingston and proud and powerful Ortiz and Santana. Let's go. Goodness me, I've never seen anything like this. Have you? No. I think there were like three separate things happening at one time, right? Like, they separated everybody into like three different areas. Yeah, I think there were five separate things because like everyone picked a particular opponent and they went to different parts of the arena. Or Yeah, like some in the concession stand, some in a freight elevator, like, some, on the, some on the roof, some in the ring, you know. Uh... This was madness all around. And then you had Wild Thing playing on the speakers yeah, over and over again, exactly. you know. And so brilliantly done also because um, this was one of the hardest matches logistically to pull off with multiple cameras. Yeah, the production killed it on this one. Exactly. Like, yeah, I think the production with the stars of this match even more so than the wrestlers. Agreed. Like the camera, camera crew and everything. Agreed, yeah. because we know that AW is a bit weak when it comes to the, uh, the production side of things sometimes. Mm. Uh, when compared to like the, the experience WWE has, lah, you know, obviously. Yeah. But for this, this they did it, they did such a good job here and they captured nearly all the, the, the perfect moments of all the different sides of things that were going on. It was so chaotic, yeah. it was so hard to keep track of what was happening. Um yeah. but it was so fun. Right. Yeah. And the color added to it. Uh I love Daniel Bryan in this match. I, yeah, I was, yeah. Honestly, I, 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 I can't remember the last time seeing Daniel Bryan in a match this horrend, uh, like, uh, bloody. Um, this gimmick, shall we say, like, this you gimmick. Know, he's usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's usually in technical brawls, right? But, but this was, this was, this was a street fight. Yeah, and he could do it. You know, uh, we really kind of seen uh, uh Santana and Ortiz. You know, they had that famous brawl in the car park and stuff like that. You know, a, a versus couple, best friends. Yeah, a couple of. 
one of the best matches AEW's ever put on. Exactly. To be honest, so yeah. I knew they could do it. Uh, Eddie Kingston uh, going to say right. Jer- Jericho, you know, um, all the stadium stampedes that he's been in. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. So Daniel Bryan was the one that I was surprised at how good he was. But then why am I surprised? He's fucking Daniel Bryan. He can do everything. He's the perfect for wrestling. Exactly. You can put him in anything. Hundred yeah. percent agree. Oh my goodness! You know, um, it, it, even the moment when you know, um, it was a, a bit of a New Jack homage uh, because New Jack used to wrestle with his theme song playing over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I love that while thing just kept playing, it added like a different vibe to the match. It was like, what the fuck am I watching here? Um, you know, like that movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. That was this match. Like, yeah. It was everything, everywhere, all, all at, at once. once. <laughs> <laughs> Only no Michelle Yeoh. No, Michelle, and then you had like Wild Thing playing on loop. Yeah. Uh, and then it built up to the point where Chris Jericho got sick of it and he he pulled the ox cord yeah, and destroyed the did. soundboard. Yeah. And you know what was the crazy thing about? Like what? Like there was so much chaos, the ring was in a crazy shape, you know, and yeah. I mean they won in the end, like the, the appreciation society with the choke and the the the, the, the walls of Jericho, right? Uh on, yeah, on the, they they tore down the top ten buckle exactly. and used it as a weapon, you know. Yeah. yeah. I'm like isn't there like a couple of matches after this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, that that's gonna be such a pain in the ass to like redo the entire ring, you know? Um, and, and I was very impressed that they they, they, they redid it in like five minutes, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah, less than that. Uh but yeah. Amazing, uh, amazing match. Uh just the chaos was brilliantly done. Um mm. and uh I'm not sure where this goes after this. Where does this go after this? I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm just sort of like basking in the madness of it right Same. now. Like, I don't I don't actually care where it goes after this. Yeah. I just want to like watch this match again. To be honest, Same. it was so chaos. I loved it. Yeah. Oh man, you know there there were like ladder spots. There were barbed wire spots. <laughs> yeah, um, they tore down the entire top rope. Um, Eddie Eddie Kingston got lost in a in a freight elevator. He, he came back with a can can of gasoline trying to burn. Yeah. Uh, Chris Jericho, which Brian Danielson took issue with because I think you're going too far, bro. You know, yeah, yeah. which led to them breaking up. You know, um, boy, everything about Brian, this. Yeah, yeah ev- everything about this was insane. Um, I even didn't mind that Jericho Appreciation Society won. You know, because they were they were they were a legit team. Whereas Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston and and Santana Ortiz. It's a mixture, like, you know, a, a tenuous alliance, uh, shall we say. Yeah. yeah um, I think Jericho Appreciation Society moves on to feud with someone else. Sure. Uh, I think Blackpool Combat Club might feud with LAX next. Sure. Why not? That's a great, you know, because, that's a great uh, interim feud. Yeah, because of the Brian, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, uh, kerfuffle Tiff. here. Like, you know, yeah. Tiff here. Like. So they, they might uh, spin off into their own feud. Like. Nice, nice, nice. Let's go. Man, wow, wow, what a match. Um, This was like, you remember like Stadium Stampede, how chaotic that was? Yes. But Stadium Stampede was cinematic. It was yeah, pre-taped, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. They, they, they had time to edit it all together. Yeah. Um, And then this felt like Chris Jericho saying like, why don't we do Stadium Stampede but live? Like no pre-taping. We do it live. <laughs> yeah. In front of people. And boy, I, it's so much more complicated when you do it live, right? I've never seen anything like this. Agreed. God, um, kudos to the production, kudos to the wrestlers, kudos to the camera team and the guys inside the truck who managed to cut this together in a way that seemed coherent, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and you got all the best of the action everywhere. Oh man, wow, what, what a banger. It is. Um, and then you had a couple of vignettes, particularly with Andrade El Idolo, um, disowning the Andrade family office because he says that they're losers, which they are, they are quite losers. Um, and then he brings in his own guy from Los Ignobanables, mm-hmm. Roosh. Is now in AEW. He's all in Rouge is teaming up with his former Los Innumerables partner, Andrade. What do you think about Rouge coming into uh, AEW and uh, teaming with Andrade? 
I love it so much. It's Rouge. Yeah. That, that can, you can't go wrong with that, man. Hiring him to be all elite. Mm. Brilliantly done. Brilliantly done. Yeah, I mean, Rouge and Andrade, I think they will be a, a, pheno- a phenomenal and formidable tag team. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually glad to see this because I think that Andrade is one of the rare occasions when AW hasn't used the new signing correctly. Like, he has been sort of you know, under the radar, mm. fallen by the wayside, a bit forgotten, you know. But teaming him with Rouge is a great idea and I think they can make a great run for the tag team titles. In fact, I actually think that they might be the next tag team champions. Ooh. Yeah. Because Jurassic Express has, has held the belt for a long time. They, they need a new champion. La, and I think this is it. I agree. Like, that, that's, a, the, that's a nice... Wow, that's a nice wrinkle right there. Yeah, the moment I saw Los Angeles in Manablis, I was like, yep, that's your new tag team champions. Mm, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Um, speaking of the tag team championship, uh, next up we have, boy, uh, a gr- another great match. You know, like <laughs> e- after Carl Rally and W. Allen, right? It started, it started, it flew, it went, it went into um to oh, quote oh, a, full gear again. Yeah, yeah full, gear. <laughs> full gear. That's not a term I know. Yeah, it went into high gear again. Um, Jurassic Express versus Swerve in our glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus Team Taz, Power Hops and Ricky Starks. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically hate trio stack team matches because I feel like they make no sense yep. but I love this match this is so good what do you think agreed yeah um, I'm telling you Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks are becoming one of my favourite tag teams uh, yes. I really love Powerhouse Hobbs like he's becoming I don't know why I just love all these big guys man mm. but yeah he's becoming one of my favourite wrestlers uh, Keith Lee and, and uh, uh, Swerve Strickland right Great tag team. Great tag team. Um, Unexpected pairing. They have a lot of great tandem maneuvers. Yes. Particularly, particularly um, the, the move that they keep doing where Swerve uh, does the moonsault off Keith Lee's chest. Yes. Yeah, he, he jumps on Keith Lee's chest from the top rope onto the outside Ooh, for a moonsault. Let's go. I fucking love that. It's apparently a move that they used to do. Apparently in the indies, they were a tag team. So oh. they're just picking... They're just picking up the, the old moveset. Like. This is not a new moveset. They've done this before. Wow. Uh, but for an audience like me who's never seen them on Same. the indies as the tag team, I love this. You know, um, And I love that JR pointed out that doing a moonsault of Keefley's chest is not a big deal. Keefley is as big as a building, so why not? <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Why not? Like, What better launching pad than Keefley's chest? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, and I also love like I don't think they intended this, but do you realize that this was a battle of three generations of AEW? Um, Jurassic, <gasps> Jurassic like Express, originals, originals, um, and then Team Taz, Powerhouse, Hops, and Ricky Sucks came in during the pandemic era. And then the third one just recently, Kifley and uh, So Strickland. Uh. Yeah, the three generations of tech teams in AEW here lah. Mm. That represents like every step of AEW's development. I think it was an unintended thing, but it worked out quite nicely lah. It did, it did, it did. I love this shit. Uh, Keith Lee, I, took, I thought looked really good. Oh no, actually, you know what? Every single fucker looked good in this match. I thought Ricky Starks looked great. Yeah. Powerhouse looks great, you know, everything. There was one small botch where Luchasaurus uh, failed to lift up Keith Lee for the, you know, um, the fallaway slam. Um, mm. But, I mean... I can't really fault you, lah. I mean, I don't think most people could do that yeah. effortlessly. Yeah. yeah. And someone you tired after a while in the match, really, you know, you're, you're, you don't really have the strength anymore. It's so, it, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I love that the commentary covered for for Luchasaurus, like you know, you're deep in the match, you're carrying Keithley, you know, like chances are you might fail, like, And he did, like it, made, it actually added to the match in terms of greatness. You know, it's like oh, it feels real. You know, like of course, like ten minutes into a match like this, you would be too tired to carry Keithley. Agreed. <laughs> Hell, I, I'm fresh and I couldn't do that. You know? Yeah, I know. And uh, I think um, the good thing, one good thing about, luckily is, is a trios tag team that, I don't know, a tag team, trios? Oh, triple wait. threat. Triple threat, yes, right. 
a yeah. triple threat tag team match, right? Yeah. I know that you don't really like it, and I know that this was a surprise for you, right? That it kind of mm. worked. Um, but mm. I think it was also necessary because I think Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus kind of needed this win also. Sure, sure. What Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really need is a feud, which they don't have. Mm. Agreed. Do you remember what they did on the last pay-per-view, Jurassic Express? They took on the Young Bucks and uh, Red Dragon yeah, in yeah, a three-way yeah. match also. Um, so it has happened for what five months now where Jurassic Express is inserted into another person's feud. Okay. Like because the feud between the Young Bucks and Red Dragon was the story, uh, okay. and then Jurassic Express was just inserted there. Here, the feud between Keith Lee and So Strickland versus Team Test that was the story, and Jurassic Express was inserted there. Like this isn't the the champion story. How can the champion be like a side show okay. in another person's feud? You know. Yeah. So Jurassic Express needs a story, and I think the story <laughs> should be Los Ignobles. Sure. Like give give the champion their own story. Don't insert them into someone else's story. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, um, but otherwise, I think Jurassic Express have been has been good champions because they keep delivering good matches. What do you think? Mm, yeah, they've been delivering good matches. Yeah, this is a, a a good feud, and they're right there. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> they lose it to Boston Blaze, and I think what happens after that is Christian Cage turns on Jungle Boy. I think Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage is a great feud that they should move on to. Sure. After this. Yeah, because Christian Cage has already shown signs, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of uh, there's like a weird rivalry going on there. Uh, yeah, he's, he's actually a little annoyed that Jungle Boy has been so goody-goody, you know, refusing to cheat, refusing to cut corners, you know. Um, and of course, Christian Cage and Edge used to do that all the time. So he's like, I don't think you have what it takes to be a champion, what it takes to be a top guy. Mm. And I think that will, that will be the, the, the wedge between them. Like, Christian Cage is tempting Jungle Boy to the dark side and Jungle Boy doesn't want to do that. Okay. And I think that will be a great feud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, I'm, I'm actually excited for the future of all V6 people, or at 7, including Christian, in this match, you know. Um, Keith and Swole Strickland I don't know where they go from here I think the, I think the feud of Team Test is still ongoing so I, that's probably the story sure let's go yeah um, next up we have the main event of the night in Las Vegas um, Adam Hangman Page takes on CM Punk for the AEW World Championship Adam Page has an interesting motivation going into this match he's saying that I'm not defending this belt from you, I'm the best. I'm defending AW against you. He sees CM Punk as an interloper, mm. a guy just coming in there, a part timer, shall we say, um, who is there to usurp the full timers. Um, CM Punk obviously disagrees, and he's clearly in Adam Page's head. I think this was a nice 50 50 feud built amongst two baby faces, and I think they built this correctly. Um, what do you think about the build and the match? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, honestly, the build, I'm fine with the build. Mm. Um, because you don't really need to build so much between these two. Mm. Um, it was kind of like CM Punk was always like adjacent to what was happening in the main title picture. Mm. Because you know, his fuse MJF and uh, WL and, and all that stuff. So it's yeah. always like in the mix of it, but like, you know, just adjacent. Lah. No, but I like that he had, had to earn his way to the title. <laughs> he show. did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it was a natural thing for him to, to get the title shot. Uh, and I think he was the veteran, wily veteran that that got better of a uh, hangman. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, um, I I enjoyed this match thoroughly as well. I thought this was a classic CM Punk psychology match. Yes. Not a lot of high, not a lot of high spots or big spots. It was very um evenly and methodically paced. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. In a very good way. Not a triple H um, way. 
Yeah, um, everything makes sense in the match. Um, and CM Punk makes sure that everything makes sense. Like CM Punk, even in his prime, was not a athletic guy. No, he no, was no. not a sport guy. Because I don't he know why even... he went to the UFC to fight crazy guy. Yeah, he he was not even a he was not even a technical grappler to be honest. Yep, yep, yep. Like he is none of that. He strength is psychology. Mm-hmm. Like he's to be honest, in ring he's kind of like it moves wise. Like he's kind of mediocre. Sure. But the psychology, what's in his brain, how to craft the match, how to craft the story is why CM Punk is CM Punk. And he did that with Adam Page here. Um, and I think Adam Page has proven to be a great champion. His defenses against Lance Archer, Brian Danielson, uh, Adam Cole, all that has proven that he's a great wrestler too. Agreed. Um, this was a really good to great match to kick off CM Punk's uh, title reign. Uh-huh. Um, CM Punk obviously winning in the end. Uh, probably if you had to find a flaw in the match was CM Punk um, botching the buckshot lariat several times. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I, I love that the crowd was like firmly like pro CM Punk and anti Hangman Page, right? Mm-hmm. But after he after he botched the buckshot lariat like three times, right? Then yeah. the crowd started booing him. <laughs> they were like boo, <laughs> <laughs> like they were they were they were so offended that he couldn't do the buckshot lariat that the crowd turned on him. It was hilarious. <laughs> But, but I was like, it kind of makes sense. Like that's not your move, you see. It's not your natural move, you know. So you kind of fucked it up, lah. <laughs> hey, uh, Hangman Page did not fuck up the the go to sleep, oh. Yeah, it was good though. <laughs> yeah, Hangman Page did not fuck up the go to sleep, but CM Punk fucked up the buckshot error so Twice. many times. Yeah. It was so funny, especially the second time. You know when he he landed and he fell on his ass. <laughs> <the people just>. <laughs> <laughs> but like, lucky there's a lot more going on after that, so that we kind of forgot that happened. <laughs> I know, my God. Yeah. Uh, but no, see, like, if, if there's any evidence, you know, a lot of people like to see him punk is not the most athletic guy. Uh, yeah, that's your evidence right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can't even land a front flip. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, but again, as I as I said, that's why I went on and on about his psychology strength. Like, he doesn't need the athleticism. Mm. He doesn't need the moves. Like. Agreed. He... He can do basic shit and he, he will get over. Like. And I'm happy that CM Punk gets his moment here. Um, Obviously, you know, what? Nine, ten years ago, his biggest moment in Money in a Bank was also in Las Vegas, Nevada, where he won the belt from John Cena. So, a nice full circle moment here. And, I, and I'm happy to see CM Punk at the top of AW. He deserves to be here. Um, where do you see this going for both competitors? Do you agree that CM Punk should be the champion? Or do you think that Adam Page should have had a longer reign? What, what do you think? I think Adam Page's reign was just nice. Yeah, it was uh, sort of half a year. Yeah, and now, you know, he can go... I mean, we can push him to another storyline to... to or do whatever he wants, but I think it's time for CM Punk to be champion because he doesn't have that much time left. Also, yeah, uh, we don't mean that he's gonna die, like We just mean that he's old. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say he doesn't have much time left, like no, I mean like, like now is the best bit. time to 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 really like push Punk as uh, one of your champions, lah. Like. Uh, right, because he can still go, he can still work great matches. Yeah, and uh, and and leave a legacy, lah, like, uh, for the belt. You know, uh, it's another notch for the belt's uh, legacy. Mm, uh, I agree, and you know. And that's the one thing AEW has done very well, protect the legacy of their main title. Mm. And Paige, is, Paige, sorry, Paige was a really good uh, champion. And I think mm. CM Punk will be like just that legacy name that you 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 put on there and be like, oh, okay, CM Punk was once an AEW champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. You know, uh, Alongside Chris Jericho, alongside Kenny Omega. You know, and like exactly. Their list of champions is actually very impressive. Agreed, for a very young belt. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and the fact that Adam Page got to be in there as well is good for him, lah. Yeah. Um, I actually think Adam Page does get a rematch. I think he deserves a rematch. Oh, definitely. At least one rematch, lah. Yeah. yeah definitely. He's gonna lose that one too, but 
he deserves a rematch one more one more to to get this done yeah um i think adam page can move on to whatever feud they, they choose like. there's a variety of options for it sure yeah um cm punk i don't know who the next challenger is after adam page we'll see i'm quite interesting to i'm quite interested to see how they build this huh? mm. yeah i think his first challenger this is an interesting thought i think his first challenger should be Darby allen <sighs> wow like Darby allen is like two too, it's still too early for him but then it would be like a good like match for him to have under his belt like he still loses right well he's already lost to CM Punk like, and, th- and that can be the driving force of the field like. he can be all like you know I- I've learned all about you I wasn't ready for you before I'm ready now you know this is my company I'm a day one guy you know you just came in here and you mm. won the belt and that, that, that can be the story like. yeah. yeah 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 that's not bad yeah 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 I think like uh, Punk and Darby Allen would be Agreed. I think they could even build it up by by saying, um, you know, by him insulting Jeff Hardy or something like that. You know, uh, bringing back like the drinking and the drugs and all that. Mm. Mm. Feels like he has to def- feels like he has to defend Jeff Hardy's honor. You know, his 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 real wrestling daddy. Yeah. Or else, or else you have oh no. That 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 always you know whenever Jeff Darby and yeah. Sting in one ring. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. All this is hilarious because of that one moment when Sting was looking at Jeff Hardy in TNA and yeah. Jeff was totally drunk out of his mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And CM Punk can bring that up. Exactly. Yeah, it's brilliantly done actually. If they do yeah, that. yeah. Like they could do actually a short interim feud between Jeff Hardy again. You know, Jeff Hardy loses to Punk on Dynamite, you know, and then mm. like Darby Allen wants to avenge that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. I I think that could be it. Um Adam Page, I don't know. Um but yeah, there's a lot of options. I think yeah. Adam Page should should feud with someone big, someone that hasn't been in before. Maybe Miro and Miro comes back could be a great feud for Adam Page. Miro, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. And that wraps it up for AEW Double or Nothing. A very long pay per view, but still quite fantastic. Um. Mm-hmm. If you remove like the two or three matches that we that we recommended. Mm-hmm. Um. But but yeah, I I still think it's an A plus pay per view even with all its faults. Same. Agreed. Oh damn! Um, AEW Forbidden Door. That's, that's what it's called, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one that was advertised uh, during uh, uh, this uh, pay per view. It's it's one month from now. Um, they're gonna start building this on Wednesday, I think, straight away. Yeah, it's on June twenty um, six. Yeah. Uh, what do you think happens there? Also, oh, so it's AEW X and JPW Forbidden Door. Uh, so Correct. I think the main thing will be the whole Bullet Club thing, lah. Right, Bullet Club versus Elite, lah. You think? Okay. Yeah, I mean, because there's the most Western-centric storyline. Okay. Yeah, but that's the only... But, but, yeah. but Bulka have been very friendly with the Elite lately, you know, Jay White helping Adam Cole and everything. Mm, I'm not sure what they're going to do. What do you think they're going to do? I don't know. I think, I, think they, I think they will do CM Punk versus Okada. Ooh. At the top of the card. Um, CM Punk has been calling for that match a lot. Um, I think they'll do Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Let's go. Um, in in some sort of grappling, uh, a grapple fuck type of match. Um, um, I don't know. I think they will do. You know what? You know what will be interesting? They're what? doing the best of the Super Junior Finals now, right? The best of the Super Junior Tournament now. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, and and the reason Willa Yuta hasn't been in AW is because Willa Yuta is in Japan. He's in the best of the Super Junior Finals. Um, I think you could do the best of the Super Junior Finals match at Forbidden Door. Willa Yuta versus someone from Japan. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I f- I think you could do that too. Um, I'm sure they will insert Suzuki and Ishii there somewhere, you know, because why not? You know. Uh, but yeah, what I really want to see is Punk and Okada and <laughs> Danielson 
Mm-hmm. Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. If not Zack Sabre Jr., Shibata. Let's go. Like, those are the matches I want lah. Because, you know, I think Brian can take care of Shibata in a grappling-centric yeah, yeah, yeah. match. Oh I, my god, Shibata, yeah. Daniel Bryan, so that's a dream match mm-hmm. that I totally forgot about. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, man, like, such a variety of options, right? So many, just because of the talent on both sides. Indeed. Um, what I would like to see also, now that they've introduced, and I didn't even think about this up until right now, was uh, LIJ versus LI. Um, oh, you are right. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, why not? Like Andrade and Rouge versus Lij lah. Uh, whichever member you pick lah, you know Takahashi or whatever lah. You know, there's so many options there. Uh, Naito, of course, you know. Yeah, Naito and Takahashi versus Rouge and Andrade will be phenomenal, I think, in a in a tag team showcase. I'll be down for that. Doesn't even matter who wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the match itself is insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Kenny Omega comes back with this? I hope so. I mean, his his history is so tight to NJPW. Yeah, but you know he's injured, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope he can. Or if he can't wrestle, maybe he makes his re debut at the pay per view. Let's go. Yeah, you're right. You know, if 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 Ibushi and Omega are can be healthy in a month's time, I would like to see that match. Um, okay. I know we've seen that match several times, uh, but Omega versus Ibushi <laughs> will never fail. Yeah, will never. It'll be awesome all the time. All the time, yeah, yeah. Um, weirdly enough, Omega is one of those people that like no longer has any dream matches in New Japan. He's faced everyone already. <laughs> like, cause he has, right? He yeah. kind of has, yeah. Yeah, but you know, um, I'm sure they'll include Will Osprey in there somewhere. Will Osprey suspect, I think, will be a great match. Sure. Yeah, Will Osprey suspect for the Ref Pro British Heavyweight Championship would be good. I think. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. So many good options, and to cap this event off to cap this episode of Hard Hits Off I'll be talking briefly about speaking of New Japan uh-huh. New Japan recently had a pay-per-view event in Washington DC Ooh. called NJPW Capital Collision I highly highly recommend this pay-per-view because okay. it was headlined by a phenomenal match between Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii a hard-hitting brutal physical visceral fight between two legendary uh, just straight up brawlers like in Ishii and Eddie Kingston. Mm. Um, Ishii bringing the strong style there. And Eddie Kingston has been very vocal about he's not strong style. He is more all Japan style. So he was bringing the all Japan style in there. Okay. Um, so very interesting matchup between Eddie Kingston and Tomiro Ishii. Okay. Um, the main event though was the highlight. The main event for the IWGP US heavyweight title. We've been wanting John Moxie versus Tanahashi for such a long time. Very right? long. So, John Moxie versus Tanahashi was originally the main event match. And then, NGPW kept adding people. Mm-hmm. They added Will Ospreay into the match. They made it a triple threat. Okay. And then, they added Juice Robinson into the match. They made it a fatal four-way. Oh, wow. Then, it became like this weird cornucopia of dream, dream match scenarios. So, John Moxie versus Tanahashi versus Drew Robinson versus Will Ospreay. Uh-huh. In a phenomenal match with a surprise winner where Juice Robinson walked out of it as the IWGP US Heavyweight Champion. Mm. Um, you know, of all the names there, Tanahashi, Moxie, Ospreay, you never expect Robinson to win. And Robinson won. Juice Robinson is your new IWGP US Heavyweight Championship. Um, I mean, he... He went through... He joined, he, yeah, he joined the Bullet Club recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and he was... This whole new persona of being like super aggressive and shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Really, really fun fatal four-way match. Um, I highly recommend that you check it out as well. Okay. Uh, finally, um, I will also recommend Triple A, Triple Mania... 30, oh, uh, right. held in Monterey. 
Triple Mania 30 is not one pay-per-view. No. Triple Mania 30 is a three-event pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They're staggering uh, one pay-per-view every, every three months. Mm-hmm. So this is the first chapter of Triple Mania 30 uh, held in Monterey. And if you're watching this pay-per-view, I just want you to watch the main event of the night. Uh. Where El Hio del Vecingo teamed up with a returning Ray Phoenix taking on the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson uh, appears again in Triple A accompanied by Conan. In a fucking phenomenal match, man. Um, El Hio de Vikingo is insane. He, he is. is. I mean, this is this is bizarre to say uh-huh. because we all know how much we love Phoenix, but El Hio de Vikingo makes Phoenix look slow. Oh. Like, El Hio de Vikingo is insane. Like he's he's Phoenix taken up to the next level, you know. Yeah, but for those of you who only know Phoenix, like imagine Phoenix but faster and more agile. Mm. It's hard to imagine, but that's El Hio de Vikingo. Like his next level, and of course the Young Bucks, you know. Gladly obliged uh, with this um, okay. fantastic, fantastic match where the Young Bucks played the heels. Uh, of course, you know, the, the Gringos coming into Mexico. <laughs> um, yeah, very, very, very fun match. Um, nice. Also, an interesting match was Andrade El Idolo and Sabinitico and Diano Perazzo taking on Bandido, Pagano and Taya Valkyrie in a six-man mixed tag team match. That was really fun. Uh, so it well, was. Like, as if yeah, I watched uh, it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, but, but it was uh, re- really fun. Um... Yeah, uh, lots of good stuff here, including uh, Johnny Elite slash Johnny Impact, oh. uh, now known as uh, Johnny Caballero. Oh. Um, he takes a Mexican name now. Uh, Johnny Caballero teamed up with Taurus to take on Dragon Lee and Jonatistico. Nice. And Jack Cartwheel and Laredo Kid in a three-way tag team match. How's that? Um, very fun. You, you know why I don't like three-way tag team matches in America? Because America enforces rules, mm. right? There are rules to it. Uh, whereas I know Lucha tag rules, they don't need to tag. It's already a tornado tag, so why not, you know? Yeah, just have, go crazy. Have. Yeah, yeah. The whole tagging scenario in a three-way tag in, in a three-way tag team match where is no DQ. And I'm wondering why do you even tag when you can just come in, you know? Uh yeah, it, it, it's a bit a bit mid nitpicky lah. But yeah, that's why I prefer it in under Lucha Libre rules. Anyway, yeah. Uh Triple A, Triple Mania, XXX in Monterey, and NGP Capital Collision. Highly recommended events if you want to check out uh pro wrestling outside nice. of uh outside of America. Uh, we'll be back next week to ugh, talk about Hell in a Cell, which has announced n- nothing, I, I know, think. But remember, every time we have very low expectations for WWE, it turns out to be okay. Yes, yes. But what I really, we really want to talk about is the Sasha Banks and Naomi situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that I want to talk about in more man, context. Lah. Man, um, this is a bit more complicated than the MGF situation. Yeah, um, them right. walking out, you know, and, and all that. Lah. But yeah, uh, we'll deep dive into Sasha Banks and Naomi alongside Hell in a Cell next week on Hard Hits. Till then, this is Hit Zero. I'm Hardy. Bye-bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>